Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. In 400 meters. In 100 meters. You have reached your destination. Hello, I'm so happy to be joined again by the Canadian homeschooler, Lisa Marie Fletcher. Lisa Marie has a website that is Everything Canadian Homeschooling, and she also creates curriculum and manages several Facebook groups, all while homeschooling her five children. If you want to learn more about Lisa Marie and how she got into homeschooling, including her best and worst homeschool moments, check back to the Canada Homeschools Season 2, Episode 4. Today, we're going to be talking about homeschooling and running the Canadian homeschooler business. Welcome, Lisa Marie. Were you tired hearing that introduction of yourself? <laughs> well, thanks for having me. <laughs> Many of us are familiar with your business, but we may not really understand all of what it entails. So can you describe your business for us? Ah, okay. So. Uh, so basically I run a website called the Canadian homeschooler where my mission is to help homeschoolers across Canada connect with each other and with resources to help them on their journey. And so in order to be able to do that, I have several different pieces that I pulled in together to make it happen. And so for example, I've got the website where I review products or I share resources or I write advice and support and encouragement for homeschoolers. So that's one piece of it. And of course, when you run a website, it also becomes a full like marketing adventure and a whole lot of learn all this business stuff behind it. It seems really nice on the on the front side, but on the back side, it's like a crazy mess of cogs of wheels that need to intersect with each other in order to keep running straight. So that's like the main thing. And then I also create resources and curriculum and um, a lot of other kind of materials, things that I have to put together because I want to be able to fill the needs that people have. So I listen a lot into the social media and to people's conversations to see what people are looking for so I can try to fill in the blanks that people want. So I spend a lot of time on social media. There's a joke that really I'm just a Facebook person that I, you know, I'm really a Facebook bot that's busy chatting away online, but I'm really a real person, but I spend a lot of time on Facebook. Um, and then there's all the things that, and on top of that, so I, I do an annual online conference because I felt that was a really good way for people to communicate with each other and to learn and experience things. So I host that every year and I, you know, I, I moderate several Facebook groups. There's just a lot of pieces that go together to running a full-time business at home. Well, trying to homeschool, but there's lots of pieces that are required for anybody who runs a business, no matter whether it's a website or not, but that's mine. <laughs> and then you also write fiction in your spare time, right? Mm, yeah. Cause I have a lot of spare time. So I thought I'd write a book. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Other than that's the for me, I needed oh. to have something for me. Yeah. <laughs> 
You know, we do. We do need to have something for us because we're a human. We're not just a homeschooler or a blogger. We need to have something. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. We could have a whole episode on that, but not today. (laughs) (laughs) Not today. (laughs) Other than the obvious need for more Canadian home education resources, what made you decide to start this business? Did you start it with the intention of it being a business from the start or did it just morph into a business? I think I mentioned last time that I was really starting homeschooling and I used an American curriculum to start off and it just wasn't wasn't quite a good fit for my Canadian children. And so I, I wanted to find resources that helped that were available for Canadians because I knew they were out there. And so that was kind of my beginning point. And it honestly started as a hobby. I just wrote like one post a week. I was busy writing full time for a different blog. At the time I was doing a family review blog. So I was doing all kinds of other stuff. Um, and so I wanted to just it was just a little hobby that I did on the side. And it wasn't until a few years in that I had someone come and evaluate my website to give me advice on how to make it flow better. And you know, whatever they were just taking, give me some advice on the website. And they're like, you need to decide, you need to decide right now where your priorities are because you can't be split in a whole bunch of different directions. So if you want to do the Canadian homeschooler, do the Canadian homeschooler. If you want to do your family blog, do your family blog. If, you need to choose. And so at that point I said, all right, I'm in. And I jumped full time into the Canadian homeschooler and I haven't looked back. And this year, 2020 was my 10th anniversary of my website start kickoff. So. And congratulations on that. And you've also, you you. have a new book out too, which I bought by the way, I have the Kindle version. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Thank you. Do you want to tell us about the book this year? Sure. Yeah. It's called How to Homeschool in Canada. We, we subtitled it A Travel Guide for Your Homeschooling Journey. So as I saw this year that there were so many people that were getting ready for homeschooling and the mass panic that people were feeling, I'm like, how can I help encourage people and make them realize it's not this big, dramatic, stressful, like life-sucking, crushing experience because I think a lot of people were terrified. The idea of educating your own children seems to scare people a whole lot. So I really wanted to. Writing the book has been on my to-do list for many years. I just never really, you know, it's been there, but you don't really work on things until you absolutely have to. So this year was my absolutely have to moment. I completely pivoted my entire plan for this year to focus on supporting and encouraging homeschooling families who were just getting started in particular. So the book was a big piece to that. If you take it, it's a lot of advice on just basics, how to fit homeschool into your life, how to make it work and how to add in all the pieces and have confidence doing it. And my goal with it is besides just being straight advice is to be real. I try really hard to be real in the book and it's not, as I said before, it's not sunshine and bubblegum all the time. There's a dark side, there's a tough section of it but it can be a really great experience. So my hope is that it really guides people through the journey. And I actually do use the idea of a journey. So it starts with like the outfitter shop where you go and get all your gear before you get started. And then it works its way through like the preschool meadow and then through the forest and the hills. And then the wonderful mountain climbing experience of high school when you finally get to the top and you can see the summit and all the success that you've done. So I it's been uh, it was a really fun experience. I've never actually done a book for real before. Like you, 
I can write fiction forever, but I may never actually publish anything. <laughs> but to actually go through that process was an amazing experience to have for myself. And as I like to tell my kids, I'm still learning all the time. This was a complete learning experience for me. And I'm so glad that it's been helpful to people to have it in their hands as they got started this year. And I love the metaphor that you use about that adventure, that journey, because one thing about homeschooling, it's a long-term thing. Like I know there are a lot of homeschoolers that may not do it for the long term if they've been finding themselves homeschooling when they didn't plan to this year because of COVID-19. But if you do decide to do it, it's, it's a long time process. You don't get to see results like you do mm-hmm. with other um, other things that you take on in life. So basically, it I'd say it runs the same as parenting because a lot of homeschooling is just parenting. So it's a long-term proposition. And so your metaphor of that journey and that hike is very appropriate to the nature of homeschooling. And there are valleys and there are mountains. So plus I love the branding on the color. Since we're talking about business, I can say I can say that it's so perfect for your branding and I love, I love the red and so Canadian. Yeah. My sister-in-law, my sister-in-law designed it for me. I told her kind of what I wanted and then she went to town and made this beautiful cover. And I'm so thankful that I have talented, amazing people in my family and she's an amazing graphic designer. So I'm so thankful because she listened exactly what I needed and she put it together and I love it. So. Thank you. <laughs> it's great. When you look at it, you think of the Canadian homeschooler too, I think, which is how it should be. So just going back to what you were saying, you had a couple of different blogs or websites going on. And so you had some advice and some coaching about really niching down and making a decision to focus on one thing. And that's obviously been very successful for you. And so mm-hmm. I think you probably have no regrets about that other than how busy maybe you no, are. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think your branding is very clear. And even when I'm on Pinterest, up will pop this little cartoon maple leaf and I'll know exactly whose stuff yeah. it is. Good job. I love my little leafy. <laughs> so have you had a business before or was this your first one? I think I've been a secret entrepreneur most of my life. Even though, you know, I've always fought the thought that I wasn't really into marketing. When I went through a market for, I was obligated to take a marketing course in school and high in, uh, in college. And I realized, holy moly, I've been a business person for a long time. So I remember doing junior achievement, which was you go in with high school students and you make your own business and sell products and stuff. So I did that. I did Tupperware for like 13 plus years. Me too. I ran several other yeah, I loved Tupperware. It was my favorite thing ever. <laughs> um, you know, I always, I did VA work and accounting work and just, I've always been doing something kind of businessy over the years, but this, it, this has been much different. Like this is more, much more intentional and much more focused than just my random, whatever business I feel like doing today. <laughs> Thanks. But I'm sure your previous business experience has helped you a little bit in this business. Would you say it has? Absolutely. Giving me, I think, you know, people say, you know, don't do direct sales. They say that a lot. I hear that a lot in some of the groups when people ask for uh, work ideas, but 
being part of a direct sales company, even if you end up being your own best customer, it gives you an opportunity to see how a business works kind of in a safe place. Uh, and you have leadership that give you advice and tips, and it gives you an opportunity to be in front of people and speak and learn how to share your product and what the benefits are of your product and to be able to answer on the fly questions, which you may not be able to do on your own without that experience. So I found that was really helpful. And I, you know, anytime you can actively learn and take the things that you have done through your life and be able to apply them to today, it's, a, it's always a success. I think every time you do something, you're learning, right? So I'm always excited to be able to show what I'm learning and having fun with and to be able to apply it to my business now, right? So. And you mm -hmm. said you don't like to admit being a marketing person. And I think that's something that as business owners, we are sometimes hesitant to want to do because the last thing we want to be is salesy or pushy or mm -hmm. anything like yeah. that. And so is there a way of thinking about marketing that helps you to feel like you're not salesy? So one, I will admit that I'm still not excellent at it. I'm still not great at promoting myself. Uh, but I will say that uh, knowing that the resources I've created meet the needs of people means that I have a responsibility to share that resource with people. They can decide if it's the right one for them or not. It's not my job to push it in their face and say, you need to buy this. It's more of a, here's what I have. If it helps you, please grab it. I, that, it's not me trying to sell it. It's me trying to fix a hole in what they're experiencing. And that's in some ways, that's the definition of entrepreneurship, right? Is seeing a need and then finding a way to meet that need. Yeah. For me, I don't like exactly. the idea of sales. I would never sell something I didn't believe in, but if I'm mm -hmm. creating or selling or offering something that could help people, that's how I like to look at it. But like you, I never want to be pushy or salesy, yeah. but somehow if you don't get it out there, they'll never know. They won't get the help they need. So it's, I think something that business yeah. owners, you know, kind of wrestle with quite a bit and we don't like to promote yeah. ourselves. I think the idea, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think the idea of remembering that you're meeting a need makes it a different approach than you need to buy my stuff. Right. So it's, it's, Focusing on a customer as opposed to focusing on yourself. Yeah. And I think offering free things and helpful things that you're not charging people for is one way to show that you're really there to help. But at the same time, websites do cost money. So somehow we have to uh -huh. balance all those things out. Yeah, it's true. You have a helpful blog post on working and homeschooling in which you explain that working and homeschooling requires evaluation of priorities and intentional time planning. Can you unpack that for us? So, especially as homeschool moms or parents, if we're working and homeschooling and parenting and being a spouse and trying to find time for ourselves and, you know, have a house to maintain and all the millions of hats and things that we do, you have to, there's at some point, you can't do it all. You can't. You just physically and mentally and you run out of time. So you can't do it all. So it's really important to decide what 
is the most important priority right now in this moment? Or what am I intentionally going to do during this chunk of time? Because if we don't have that plan, at least for me, I have found that I just don't do anything. I either spend way too much time staring at Facebook or blanking out and watching YouTube videos for no reason at all. And I've completely wasted the time that I could have used for something way more efficient or even spent time with my children doing, you know, parenting things with for fun instead of just having to do school time with me. Um, so for me, it's really important to take all the things that I do in my life and then figure out what needs to be a priority and what can be done tomorrow or the next time I have a free space that I shouldn't be just staring at BTS videos or whatever <laughs> music videos, but you know, I, I need to prioritize. So for what I have done is I've done a lot of time blocking for myself. And uh, so what I generally do in a day is I, and I'm always tweaking this to make it better and to be more efficient with my days because I, you know, I think I'm doing okay. And then I realized, wow, I wasted so much time today. But so my typical day is kind of where I get up in the morning and that's my time first. The kids wake up whenever they want to and they, uh, they get, I help them with breakfast. I know I'm going to be interrupted like 10,000 times anyways, because that's just my life. Right. But I know that my focus in the morning is my to-do list. So it's my work time generally, or sometimes it's writing, depending on if I've got a, a thing that I'm trying to finish. Um, what I generally do is my work time is from whenever I wake up until about 8.30 or 9. And then from 9 or 8, around that time to about noon or 11.30 is school time. And that's where I focus on school. And then I do a fitness time. And sometimes the kids join me. And then it's lunchtime. And then the afternoon is everyone gets free time to do whatever they want unless we have a pre-planned activity. And that's when I work and I do my free activities that I have to do as well and then we do you know dinner and the typical go to bed activities but and then I squeeze in writing sometime between dinner and when the kids go to bed <laughs> and then as soon as the kids are in bed everything's off and it's time to spend with hubby so we watch our favorite tv series or play video games or whatever we do together so then we can spend time because I really make sure it's important to include specific set aside time from my spouse because if I didn't we wouldn't spend time together I could easily fill up that time with whatever junk I have on my to-do list, you know, but I want to make sure he understands that he's prioritized in my life, even if it's not in the middle of the day. <laughs> exactly. We can't forget daddy in the process. That's for sure. Yeah. So I really like that advice of blocking your time or some time management experts call it chunking because really in some ways, multitasking is a myth and we're just not doing anything well when we try to juggle too many things at once. So just setting aside time to focus properly on something. Obviously, yes, we're parents. We'll get interrupted, et cetera. Or even if we have pets, they always seem to bark when you're on the phone, whatever. <laughs> but at least yeah. trying to be intentional, right? It can it can help. And then and then you're not juggling all the balls in the air at the same time and just not doing well, dropping them all. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. it takes yeah. us a while to learn that. Yep. <laughs> that being said, though, why do you find it frustrating when people give you the advice of setting your work hours, even though it's good advice? I'm just quoting you to you from your blog because I yep. like to research yep. people before I talk with them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I, the, uh, so many times when you look at business advice and trying to, how do you run your business more efficiently as a home at work when you work at home? The advice is set your work hours. And it drives me crazy because I have kids. My life is so unpredictable. 
that I can't say I'm going to work every day from one to four, because what if at one o'clock today, I'm being, you know, my kids are being crazy and I need to go and take them for a walk or I need to school's taken like a million hours longer than it should have today. Or the house is, looks like a tornado ran through and I really need to prioritize that right now because that, you know, a messy house stresses some members of my family out. So if I need to get everybody involved and we need to scrub a kitchen, so do it. That's got to be priority. So although I'd love the idea to say that nine to three is work time, <laughs> it's just completely impractical for me to be able to do that. So that's why I generally have a, when I wake up, to approximately this time, this is my work chunk, and I'm going to be interrupted. And a lot of times people aren't willing to be interrupted during their work times because they close the door. But my house is, unless I'm on a phone call or a video chat or something, the kids have generally learned that they can, you know, I'm still the parent, that's my primary responsibility. And that needs to be my primary responsibility, even if I'm running a business and trying to do a million things at once. I think that that advice is just given in general and not necessarily for homeschooling working parents. Yeah. I think it's just like, if you're working from home, instead of going to an office, actually get dressed and plan out your work hours and your lunch break instead of just lying on the couch watching YouTube all day because you didn't actually make a plan. Like, I think that's what yeah. that means. Don't get me wrong. Yep. I watched some YouTube before I got on here with you because I was having my lunch break. But um, yeah, exactly. So I, I'm not knocking that, but I think that's more what that advice is for, not for working yep. moms with the kids at home. Like that advice can apply if you're sending your kids to school and you're yep. working from home. If you have the means to do it and your family is willing to adapt to it, awesome. I don't think it's bad advice at all. It just drives me crazy because I can't do that. And so it's not like I can go one to three o'clock is work time. You know, I can't, I'd like it to be, but I can't, I can't like lock the door. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that, and that even happens to me now that my kids are older and I've graduated from homeschooling because my, like before now I actually got a call from my business and I had to go in there, deal with something, come back. Well, I didn't have that planned in my day. So it's, uh, right. I think it's also being a woman. <laughs> I think we're in demand. Yeah. I was going to say a lot of yeah, a lot of, uh, and I'll say this gingerly, a lot of business advice is by men who don't have children or men that aren't primarily responsible for the care of children. So a lot of entrepreneur advice is not necessarily adaptable to being a full-time caregiving mom, especially the homeschooler. So I often say to people that if you're going to look for entrepreneur advice, try to A, find a woman who's a mom because she will understand more of the experience that you're going through. And if you can find a working homeschool mom, and I've got some friends that are, you talk to them because they'll give you real practical what day-to-day -day life is like trying to balance all those things. Exactly. And I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was on productivity, but the whole point of the podcast was on how unrealistic the productivity advice from male entrepreneurs is for women. So I'll, uh, yes. I'll see if I can find that and maybe send it to you, but, but it'll just underscore what you were, what you were just saying. And it's good to have some perspective. You recommend outsourcing if you can. What kinds of outsourcing do you do in your home and business? And I say in your home as well, because I want to give permission 
to moms, if you're working and homeschooling, it doesn't matter who cleans your toilets. It really doesn't. And so um, you may or may not outsource things in your home. And of course, kids need to be trained to help too. But what kinds of outsourcing do you do in your life? So I admit my answer is going to be not enough. I have control issues. So that kind of becomes part of the problem. But business-wise, I have learned at times to outsource experience, like uh, different things. So I have um, people on my team that, for example, the homeschool mom who's helping me get those checklists done, I can't do it. So she's going to, because that would be a huge time for me, but it's something that I can get her to help me with. And it gives her a chance to do a little bit of work on the side. So that kind of thing. I've had VAs in the past. VA stands for virtual assistance. It's people who help come alongside and they complete tasks for you that take a lot of your time. They are really, a lot of them are experts at what they do. So they're able to provide a better and quicker service with what they're doing than I could do. I had one that completely helped me with my whole email stream so that when you sign up, that you get the right emails and that you get the things that you asked for and things like that. So she really worked on that. I've have, um, I've had people help me with some accounting stuff in times, but as for the home, so, and I say this because I absolutely agree that there's like this idea that if I outsource my, my housework to somebody, I failed as a mom or as a wife or something. I don't know what we have this mindset, but if you can't afford it and it, works for your family do it do it because housekeeping is a huge weight and a huge time sink right so if it can take that off your plate absolutely go for it I don't because we just don't have the means to do that at this time but we um, some of the things that I do to help um, is I use programs so for example I use a program called motivated moms and it's the housekeeping program and it literally is a checklist that says do all this today and I go and I do all that today and then it's got and then another thing that I have been using in the past is a, a meal planning app which allows me to be able to plan ahead or it tells me what to make for dinner if I can't plan myself it'll tell me exactly what to make for dinner um so that takes a lot of the pressure off of me trying to come up with a meal plan and make sure my family is fed and blah 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 so if I'm using those kinds of tools it takes a huge weight off and I think we don't always have to outsource to specific people we can also use technology and resources that are available to help make our lives easier as well Yes. So lately I've been, I guess it started because of COVID and I had to wait in line for so long to get groceries and I was working like 60 hours a week. Just keep in mind, I was not homeschooling during that time, but I found out that they would even deliver groceries to my rural address. And so I would, I could be, it could be 1030 at night and I'm getting home from work and I'm getting in the bathtub and I can sit in there with my phone and just order groceries when I have time to think and they can just be delivered to the family the next day. Um, And I don't think I'm necessarily going to stop doing that because it saves me hours. Why? Right. It saves time because I I feel the same way and I need to be more diligent about it. I'm just really bad at planning my groceries. ahead, (laughs) so it's usually we're out of milk by the time I realize we need milk, you know, but uh, it takes so long. Grocery shopping. We live 20 minutes from a grocery store and either any direction we go it's 20 minutes so we drive 20 minutes and then you spend an hour at the store and then it's 20 minutes home and then 20 minutes putting the groceries away there's two hours of my day just about trying to find food for people to complain about at dinner time or to eat all the snacks up you know so I agree the whole like pick up your groceries or get it delivered is an amazing tool 
Can you tell us the name of your meal planning app? I just want to make sure I link some of these things in the show notes so that people, if they want to look into them so that they can. Yeah. So the one that I've been using over the years is called prepare.com or I think it's .com. It's an app. It, they've got a website too. Okay. Thanks. It's P-R-E, pear, like a fruit. Okay. I would have spelled it differently. So yeah. thanks for clarifying that. I just realized that. Yeah. <laughs> But do you think that we need to really encourage each other to outsource a little more? Um, I just feel like, and you touched on it, and I've experienced the same thing where you have this little word should constantly going in your brain, which means to scold yourself is what the original meaning of that word is. And you're saying, I should be able to keep up with my laundry, keep up with my household and homeschool full time and earn a living to help out the family finances so you can even afford to buy the curriculum. So we have this should, like we should be able to do it all. And it's yeah. not actually realistic. My, my, yeah, my mother-in-law has a great quote, and this may be kind of risque, but it's don't should on yourself. <laughs> that is a great quote. <laughs> right? Because, yep. yeah, and it's something that I try to remember because I do, We, I think particularly homeschool moms, and maybe even more so working homeschool moms, we struggle with guilt, like really bad. There's a lot of guilt involved. Parenting is already guilt-inducing. Homeschooling is guilt-inducing. Trying to do something away from your family like a business creates a lot of guilt too. And especially if you have any goals for your business and you're not really getting where you want to be getting, you feel a lot of pressure. And absolutely, I think that we need to remember we're, we deserve to have space in our life and so I've been doing that with my writing it's like I oh I do this all the time it's like oh I shouldn't be writing right now I should be doing the dishes or I should be spending this time with my kids but if I don't take time to do something that's just for me like writing is just for me um, it allows me the chance to be creative and to have an outlet and to to remember who I am because once my kids are gone and if my business ever shuts down and you know what am I going to be I'm going to be a homeschool mom with nothing like I don't have I need to have an identity or something that I enjoy for myself because I don't want to be one of those women that gets older and then is lost right and I've seen this with people like what do I do now and this whole life and your whole identity is gone and so now what do I want to be and so I, it's really important to me to make sure that I do something for myself and then trying to work through that not feeling guilty about spending that time on myself. And I know that's a little bit off from the business thing and outsourcing, but it's the same concept. It's the choose to choose to use your time to be a benefit to yourself instead of the things that you feel like you have to be doing. And if that's outsourcing, do that. I um I was in one of my last years of homeschooling and I we were it was the beginning of the year at our homeschool group and we've had a great homeschool group. And we were just going around the table talking about like introducing ourselves and where our kids are at and where we are at in our homeschool. And so I was saying that I was about to graduate from homeschooling and figuring out like what I want to be when I grow up. I already had some good ideas about that, yeah. but, but I just kind of worded it that way. And a young, a young idealistic mom piped up and she said, well, then you can just, you can just be grandma. And I was, I was polite on the outside. I just said, I do really want to be an involved grandmother. That's something I look forward to. 
but that's not all I look forward to. Like I've already raised my children. I don't plan to raise my grandchildren unless circumstances necessitate that. So there, I felt like everything within me was screaming like, no, (laughs) there has to be something more. And if that's all you'd like, I want to be me. But I'm already extra, so that yeah. <laughs> that's not gonna that wasn't gonna cut it. And I, I mean, I was very kind with her, but on the inside, I was just like, "Don't put me in that box. There is more to me than that." Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my friends came to me after yeah. she's like, "You're an entrepreneur. Like that makes total sense. Don't worry about mm-hmm. it." <laughs> she probably saw like a little spark <laughs> coming out of my eye that I was trying not to let out at the time <laughs> you know the person who said it was just being sweet but yeah but there's a lot more going on my in my brain than that and for better or for worse yeah and we all need a purpose right mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that brings me to the next question let's talk about the dreams that we have for our businesses and you alluded to that a little earlier in this conversation let's talk about those dreams and how as mothers we need to guard our priorities and be willing to go slow i think that all mothers with businesses come face to face with this reality but for homeschooling moms the season focused on the kids seems to stretch a lot longer like we're not just there till they're five. <laughs> so how, how do we manage our dream? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. That's a good question. So I, and I, I, I say that the willing to go slow thing when people talk about working, cause we, as business people, I think often we're told what's your, what's your goal for next year. And so you come up with this like aim big, right? Like if your dream doesn't scare you, it's not good enough or something, that kind of mantra. But the reality is that we can have those big dreams. I've had this really big plan for so long and like the book that we've talked about before and things. And I've got this major, huge project that I want to do, but, and the conference too, that I run all these big pictures Oh, I had like, if you checked out my worksheet in that first year when I decided that I was really going to treat this as a business, you would see all these amazing things. And it's been 10 years and I'm just finishing some of them now. The thing is we can't go that breakneck speed when we're divided in so many different responsibilities. That doesn't mean your goal or your dream is completely unrealistic or that you shouldn't aim for it, but you're going to take longer to get there as a homeschool mom running a business. And I I try to remind people that a lot because I feel like we're always advised to go, 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 go. And it's like, no, no, (laughs) slow down. You need to take it easy because you can't, you can't maintain that. Like realistically, we can't, I mean, even, even me trying to do all these things that I do, it grows on each other. And then you have more responsibilities and more things that come in play. Like it's great to have big dreams, but remember that there's all this back work that's involved and it's going to take a lot of time. And if you can only chip away for a short chunk of time every day, it's going to take a lot longer than the person who can focus on it for four or five hours. It's steady every day. So and that's okay. It is. It's absolutely okay. Yeah. Just keep moving. Yeah. Even though I've graduated from homeschooling because I have a bricks and mortar business, it's kind of like my homeschool. <laughs> I'm still a mom, but in terms of the time it takes up and the responsibility. Yeah. So I'm still yeah. on the same boat, even though I've graduated. Um, and then every time I get rolling, 
there's a big crisis, like someone dies and they're my main staff person. So all the time that I could put into this, which is my passion, which I love, I suddenly can't do and I drop the ball and I feel bad, but I can't help it. And then get rolling again. And then COVID hits just, you know, life is like that. Yeah. 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 You have to go with the flow, do what you can. It's really true. And, and I've learned to have a saying, which trust me is not like me good enough just has to be good enough <laughs> to me. That's like, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a like, hard one to learn. That's a hard one to accept. Right? <laughs> yes. I'm used to being like an overachiever. So for me to say good enough just has to be good enough. That's like slacker talk. Like that's, <laughs> I don't say that, yeah. but now I say it. I hear now I say it and it yeah. helps. It helps. Done is better than perfect. That's another one. Done is better than perfect. It's better to put something out there and then maybe tweak it afterwards or put something better out the next time. Then, um, yeah, if I waited for headphone history to be perfect on volume one, I never would have gotten it out there. And so, you know, you have to get it out there and then you get advice and feedback. And then when you do the next one, you make improvements and just keep going and going. And I do get feedback and I'm sure you do too from customers and people. And then Mm -hmm. you try to fix it or make it better and you're learning and you're growing. But if you never got it out there, you you wouldn't be helping anyone. So if you you don't try, you can't get better, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It's scary though. It's really scary, isn't it, to yes. put yourself out there? Absolutely, yeah. And to, to let other people judge your work is terrifying. Yes. It's like putting your baby out the world and hoping they don't call it ugly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I'm struggling with the whole video thing because, like, I'm not photogenic. I don't, like, I don't actually care how I look most of the time. Honestly, I don't really wear makeup. I don't care. But on video, my face. Have you seen any of my Facebook lives? (laughs) Yes, I have. I watch them all. Well, no, I'm mostly watching them on YouTube. But actually, I've been inspired by them. If you saw my summer, it was like a contest. (laughs) Summer was a contest to see how crazy my hair could be by every day. I feel like so. Don't worry. Videos, you know, we always are learning, always getting better. And honestly, if you don't care, you don't need to worry what other people think. But I think I started most of my videos this summer with me smooshing my hair down on my head. So I hear you. Yep. <laughs> yep. But I've been inspired by your videos <laughs> because you just seem so comfortable in your own skin that you're, you're just like, I'm putting this helpful stuff out there. And that's my whole purpose. And, and it's great stuff. So you're not allowing any hangups about well, video I'll, I'll to truthful. stop you. <laughs> I'll be truthful. When I first did my first sets of videos, I was terrified, like terrified, not this year, but a few years ago when I started my first conference, I tried to record videos and I wrote really beautiful scripts and I wrote all this wonderful stuff and I made a beautiful thing. And I sounded like a robot who was scared out of their mind. Me so too. And you put that about, on your yeah, conference. Yeah. No, and I did it. I recorded it like four times before I finally got to my point. And the thing about it is that I think whenever we try something new, it's always going to be scary, no matter what we do. And then as we get 
more familiar with it and we just realize that maybe the pressure we put on ourselves to be so great at the beginning it's not really as important as we think it's going to be and i'd rather just be me and be truthful and talk rambly and coherent as i tend to do and hope that somebody pulls something useful out of it than to come up with a beautiful thing and sound like a robot the whole time so it's more important just to do it than to be scared of doing it yes that's good advice i know for me because i'm an extrovert like i'm a very animated person when I'm with people yeah. <laughs> and I talk and I'm alive. And then when I'm sitting in a room with a piece of technology by myself, it's like monotone. It's like no personality. So I've learned to like draw happy faces <laughs> and stick hard. them on my technology, like as if I'm talking to a real person or just little things like that. Or That's turn the screen around so I can actually see my own face. So I'm talking to an actual person instead of um, just staring at this camera because as an extrovert, it wasn't working for me. So look forward to my videos getting better. Yay. Perfect. Yay. We're learning. <laughs> We're learning. My husband is on yep. videos every week and he's great and it doesn't phase him and just goes for it. And Plus, he's really cute. That helps too, I suppose. But anyway, I'm digressing yes, big course. time. Might cut that part out. <laughs> Let's switch gears a little. I want to give you a chance to share with our listeners about some of the curriculum that you've created. Just a little bit. Last time we talked about the Learning Center. So can you share some of your for sale curriculum creations with us? Sure. So I have a bunch of resources. Most of them are focused on Canadian history and geography, as that's what area people are constantly looking for. And I know there are some amazing resources out there already, but sometimes people want alternatives or different. And my so some of the ones that are most popular on my website are my trip across Canada, which is a virtual trip across Canada called the Canadian Adventure. And it's not to be mixed up with the Great Canadian Adventure, which is a different company that provides books, that, like little activity books. So mine's called the Canadian Adventure. And it's essentially when, so when I was a kid, when I was a kid, our family would stuff us all into the station wagon with a 26 foot Argosy trailer on the back. And we would travel across Canada every summer. We went all the way east, except Newfoundland and all the way west, all the way to Vancouver Island. So I got to experience a lot of Canada. And I thought, would it be really, I'm never going to be able to do that with my kids. Like logically, it's probably never going to happen to be able to do that. So how can I create this kind of experience for people who like me won't be able to do it with my own family. So I created a virtual trip. So essentially it's a adventure from one side of Canada to the other and then back through the territory so that you can see what what it's like and you get it's got crafts and it's got videos and it's got food and it's got music and it's got like you literally travel through and I found as many resources as I could to make it so that's called the Canadian Adventure and that's one of them and the other one is uh, called my Canadian time capsule and it is a hands-on history program because my kids are I'm really into hands-on and I make my kids be hands-on well they are anyways they tend to do best so it's a unit study approach so it's 12 units long and you stop into different periods of history so it's not really done as a chronological study of Canadian history it's more of a let's zoom in on this moment of Canadian history. So for example, the first unit in the program is the Klondike gold rush. And in that thing, you watch a video and you go learn how to pan for gold and uh, you write postcards home from your journey to the Klondike. And 
there, there's lots of things that are involved. Usually reading, usually an online, um, oh, my brain just stopped. Um, web, like a web, web, oh my goodness, what's it called? Whatever. They go searching from the websites and they look for resources, a web quest. And then they do a video and they, there's a little note for parents at the beginning of each unit. So if there's anything questionable that they need to know about or if because some of the topics are sensitive, right? If we talk about some things, they may need to be prepared ahead of time. Um, it also talks about some of the different things that they may want to have conversations with their kids about or just a general, here's a summary of what we cover in this topic. Originally, I had planned to make it like a lot more elaborate than it ended up being like more topics than 12 but by 12 I thought that's a lot and so I know there's some more amazing moments of history that I could totally include and maybe in the future I'll actually include make more but for now that we've done the 12 and that's good so I think that there's the Klondike there's moments like the Frank slide in Alberta there's the women's rights movement for um, the suffragettes and stuff like that there's New France and the Voyageurs uh, the Canadian Pacific Railroad. So it's, all, anyways, there's 12 different subjects and they each have their own individual unit study. So that's the other one that's kind of my big pieces. And then there's lots of little things like that's Canadian timeline of history where you can print it out and you can put it in a binder and other people put it on the wall. And then, I don't know, there's a lot of, you can just visit my website. It's just the, the place that you can find the actual resources is shop, S-H-O-P dot, thecanadianhomeschooler.com that's where my store is that's where you can find all of the resources thank you those sound like such fun even with those 12 topics i think that your students will still get a better idea than many canadian adults have about their history unfortunately <laughs> so it's a great place to well, start I'll be truthful. I'll be truthful. I hated Canadian history growing up. Like I would have rather stuck a fork in my foot than do Canadian history. And I find it really funny that I'm now learning more about Canadian history than I ever learned before because it was like, come on, not again. But for me, it was really important. And I've discovered that I actually am interested in Canadian history when it's done in a way that allows me to be curious instead of, and then this happened and then this happened, and then this happened, which can be really hard for students to be interested and invested. So that's why I did the pocket moments as opposed to an overall kind of arching. Because I, and I, I love your podcast because, or your, uh, your headphone history version, because it allows kids to hear all of the history without feeling like they're doing the monotonous, like now I gotta learn all about this, and now I gotta learn all about that. But it also, one of the things that was really important to me with creating the My Canadian Time Capsule was that it could work with other programs. So if people are using like your program or Donna Ward's program or any of the other programs, they can stick in a unit study on one moment and do more hands-on and more basic activities than just the typical read a book or listen to a lecture or something like that. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I was just going to mention it, that it sounds like it could dovetail with whatever people are studying history um, quite nicely. Mm -hmm. And so that's given me, so. got my got my wheels turning. Now I'm thinking, ooh, I should get those. And then maybe we <laughs> can come up with some kind of tie-in, like if you're using this program, that's where you insert, like when we're talking about the Klondike Gold Rush. Yeah. Okay, this is where you're going to take some time and just go for that. Because I would say I have a few hands-on activity ideas in my curriculum, but I wouldn't say it's super hands-on. So that sounds like it would be a great tie-in. So I'll have to look into that and figure out how I can 
<laughs> work those two things together. But anyway, podcast listeners don't need to know all that right now. But I guess if we're talking about business, this is how our brains work. <laughs> More ideas, no time. Well, I want to thank you so much for giving yes, me so exactly. much of <laughs> so much of your time today to talk about working in homeschooling. As I said, it's a topic very dear to my heart. And um, I think we'll be talking again uh, to talk about the Canadian, the online Canadian homeschooling conference that Lisa Marie organizes. But that is all for today. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Lisa Marie. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, canadahomeschools.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling, Canada! Hee <laughs> hee!